<laughs> yeah, she was cool. getting nuts to feed the squirrels. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right, well, let's do it. Welcome to Something to Do, a podcast devoted exclusively to discussion and devotion of two of our favorite bands, Husker Du and The Replacements. Each episode, we'll be nerding out about all aspects of two of the most influential bands in the pantheon of American rock acts. I'm Jude, and this is my co-host, Greg. What's up, Greg? Man, this is the first one of uh, 2021. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because last which, year's replacements in yeah, December. Which we, we, we did that. We got that in right under the wire um, for, I think, New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. People, But we, we ain't dead yet. Rumors yeah. of our demise have been uh, greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I know. Yeah. People wish, but we're not we're not stopping. <laughs> nah, so. nobody wishes. I was and and um, I guess that that can move kind of right into it. Like, uh, yeah. Well, f- first off, what are we talking about this week? Well, so, we shouldn't say this week. We'll yeah. say this is what we do on where it went too. Just in, we say, what are we talking about this time? Time. I love it. I love it. So this time we're discussing Who's Who's 1985 album, Flip Your Wig released on SST Records, obviously their last on the legendary independent label founded by uh, Black Flag's guitarist, Greg Ginn. So after this, they moved to Warner Brothers with Candy Apple Gray. Which, which was our first real episode, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to, uh, you know, if you're, if this is your first time listening, you can go back to episode two, because I think we had our, an intro mm-hmm. episode and you can listen to Candy Apple Gray. And then you could even go before this because we've done New Day Rising. Yep, yep. And yeah, uh, so this is this is perfect. I'm super super excited to talk about this one because this is like uh, uh, right in the middle of kind of two big transitions, right? This is their last one on SST before they move to Warner Brothers. Spots out of the picture for this one, which we'll get to when we get to the recording of the album. So Bob and Grant produced this one themselves. Um, and we're no longer working with SST's in-house producer. Um, yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of lasts and firsts with this one. Yep. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So first, what's new? Man, so there was a PBS documentary on Minneapolis Hardcore, which if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is awesome. The episodes are super short. They're like 20 minutes long. There's maybe like eight or nine of them. Um, but it's great. There's a whole episode on Husker Du. Um, there's a ton in that episode and elsewhere throughout the series um, from Greg Norton, which is really cool because you hear so much of Grant and especially Bob's perspective on the time in the band and after the band. I won't say you never get Greg Norton's point of view on it, but but that's the you know the primary uh, person from the band that they interview. There's a little bit of Grant Hart in there as well. There's a little bit of Terry Katzman. Um, there's, again, there's, there's no Bob in this one, but thankfully we have his uh, story and perspective on the Husker Du days. Um, yeah. And like, um, you know, what's funny. I, when this came out, it was, uh, it was around, I think, wasn't it around the holiday? I was so busy. I actually, I'll say on here and I'll have to report back next. I haven't watched and I need to, I've, mm-hmm. I had a bunch of people mention it to me and I was like, Oh yeah. And I haven't watched, is there replacements in there too? Or they get into not it a little much. bit. Yeah. They don't get the, do they get their own episode? I'm actually blanking on that. I don't think they get their own episode. I don't think they do too, because I don't really lump them in with hardcore. I mean, yeah. you know, they, which we've already talked about a bunch, but, you know, Husker Du were 
a hard you know they start they were a hardcore band yeah you know, uh in in the true sense of the word especially those early records so i'm i'm excited to check this out this actually i'm i'm uh i have some time to myself so i'll have to uh awesome watch and greg norton i agree it's always cool i think to hear from him he's such a cool guy and he was mm -hmm. such an important part of the band and i feel like you know because he you know isn't a vocalist and, and main songwriter sometimes he gets overshadowed but like his his contributions which we've already talked about before as well like cannot be uh, overstated yeah. so it's always cool i think to get his story so i'm excited yeah yeah you're definitely in for a treat i think tommy simpson shows up a couple times in there just kind of talking about the scene and stuff i think i'm 99 sure i watched it maybe like six weeks ago so um yeah listeners call, call us out if i'm forgetting it's, dave and Perner's Dave in there dave, i was gonna say dave perner because soul yeah. asylum same thing with loud fast rules they they um uh were part of that whole you know the hardcore scene yeah um, a couple like yeah a couple like sorry greg i didn't mean to interrupt but a couple like highlights from it um a little sizzle reel of like folks are like you know wanting to get enticed to watch it but chris osgood from the suicide commandos is in there and this like I'd read this before, but like for some reason, it just never like cl clicked with me that like he was Bob's like Bob Mould's guitar teacher, and he was like he would show up like with this like huge guitar case because he had that flying V. And Chris Osgood was just like, you know, he, he's like I took he took a couple lessons with me, but I was just like, all right, you ready? Just like go start a band, just like go ahead. Yeah, I love that story. Like he was like, <laughs> it, it reminds me of like that the Jim Gaffigan bit about uh, people that are fit at the gym. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're good. You're done. You're done here. Go. It's like that. Like yeah. And then Bob obviously has such a style, which really comes out on on Flip Your Wig. So I'm yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, a couple, same, a couple like kind of thing, like highlights from that. Um, so Greg talks about, Greg Norton um, talks about how they were a St. Paul band. Um, so they were like kind of considered like uncool, like from the very first time that they started. And they just pushed back on that their entire career and like kind of reacted to and leaned into it. Um, Land Speed Record, they talk about how that was like, you know, their statement to try to like, they were like, we're going to be the fastest band in the world. Um, Greg Norton says a little bit about how like, um, you know, they were constantly trying to reinvent themselves. We've talked about that, you know, um, pretty much every time we, we do an episode on who's going to do, we're like, oh, this is like how they're completely reinventing themselves or completely like s flipping the script. But I mean, Bob talks about this in his autobiography with Michael Azarad, but he's like, you know, and um, Greg Norton confirms it in the documentary, but he's like, pretty much the minute that we were done tracking Zen Arcade, Bob was like, I'm done writing hardcore. Which was sort of true, but I mean, there's there's definitely hardcore elements on uh, releases after Zen yes. Arcade. But, I, but yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, like they weren't writing Not for the most part record. side. Yeah, they were, and they weren't doing side two of Zen Arcade. Exactly. Um, type stuff, although... I feel like there was some callbacks to it on New Day Rising, like a few moments where probably even if I went back and listened to our assessment where I was like, this could have been on side two of Zen Arcade or no, maybe it was even Crystal from uh, uh, yeah. Candy, Candy Apple, Apple Gray. Gray. But yeah, hardcore. And it's weird because 
at that time, hardcore was so new. Like, it seems weird to me to get over it that quickly. But I guess if you're like immersed in it, I mean, I'm glad they did. Let's say that yeah. or, or we wouldn't have had this record. But like, I'm trying to think like 1984. I mean, that was still first wave of, of hardcore. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. To, I don't know. It's just so crazy to think about this. Like we were. Yeah, we were talking about this like in a, a group thread in a different context about a, an album that's like 21 years old and we're like when that album it's just crazy to think about like how fast time goes by like when yeah that album, like you said when you go backwards that's what I, I i try to sometimes wrap my head around is look at how long something's been and then put yourself back then and go back and like like you said well we can say it was we were talking about um <laughs> at the drive-ins uh album relationship yeah. uh, of command is it of command or on command i, always... I think it's of command right relationship <laughs> of command. it's a great record i just yeah. always i just always call it relationship <laughs> of command or whatever and, and hope that no one um catches me, me. On. <laughs> <laughs> but that came out in 2000 and we were saying right. that was you know 21 years ago and in 2000 21 years before that like hardcore barely existed you right know, bad brains were recording uh black dots with don zintara and teen idols was like ian mckay's current band you know yeah. like and black flag had you know nervous breakdown or whatever yeah so yeah it like, is crazy time how quick it goes i realize as we get older yeah yeah i mean like people at that point were like barely just kind of like pushing the limits of like what punk was which was like fairly new at that point yeah um they do in the documentary, and I don't want to stay on this too long because listeners should just go watch the documentary, but they get into a little bit about, the, I think this is necessary for us to talk about on this podcast, the rivalry between uh, Husker Du and the Mats. And they confirm in it, like interviewing members of the band, that it's like, it was just a friendly rivalry. Like there wasn't really like a, you know, serious um, disagreement between the two bands. There was just kind of like a, which we've covered on this podcast. Yeah, they were they were like um, frenemies, isn't that the yeah. term almost like? <laughs> but but you got to keep in mind, I think like that it was. I looked at it more as almost like healthy competition. Yeah, you know? like like the replacements did this. Oh my god, we got to do this or, or vice versa, and they eventually se separated to the point where they were kind of just both doing their completely doing their own thing. Like yeah, they didn't quote-unquote like need each other like they both got signed on their own merits not because one got signed and one didn't and you know yeah there's a little bit too from terry katzman in there which is cool um yeah he seemed like such a cool guy like i've uh, seen him in documentaries and reading uh it's a shame that he passed yeah. away mm -hmm. yeah so if you haven't seen that um go watch it it's awesome um, what else? A couple other things in the what's new category here. Um, Grammys are coming up. Bob Mayer's Grammy nomination, right? Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. If, if you haven't, uh, check out, we did an interview with him about the, not about the one that was nominated for a Grammy. Um, because that came out too late to be considered so hopefully bob gets hopefully bob wins this grammy and then gets another one uh the following year for yeah. the please to meet me box but um so good luck to bob 
Yeah. Uh, Something to do podcast sending good, good vibes your way. Yeah. So everybody, if, if uh, pay attention, let's see if he, he wins. Obviously that's, I think what was it for like design or something, right? Or, or just for liner notes, right? Yes. Liner notes. That's it. So obviously that's not going to be broadcast on the TV, but we'll, we're going to keep our eyes peeled. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, if anybody's read trouble boys or his liner notes, he's um, just brilliant with that stuff. And it's like such an extensive research. It's like makes it worth it. Um, when are the Grammys? Do we even see that's the thing? Like we don't Good question. Even... I think it's in March. They're in March. Okay. Um, so hopefully, Lord willing, I, I, I'm hoping we have another episode before uh, before then. Then I was gonna say next episode. Maybe we can talk about the results. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna consult with my um, secretary, aka Siri, and uh, see when the Grammys are, <laughs> and we can determine. So it looks like the Grammys are okay. They're not until March 14th. So we pledge, we will, we will definitely have something before then. Yeah. Uh, you know, so in a couple episodes, we will be able to hopefully talk about him winning the Grammy. Yes. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, speaking of episodes. Uh, yeah. Sorry for the delay. All we're, um, we're committed to getting back on schedule. Um, things have been a little hectic as uh, folks might know Greg has a another podcast, um, which is very awesome, and you should listen to if you haven't. Um, but yeah, we're 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 kind of gonna we're gonna be getting you know more regular with these. So we're blaming episodes. we're blaming me then. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, definitely like it's it's like, I don't know I've mentioned before like that I when when we started where it went I just thought like it was gonna be like this you know like. And we just got opportunities that made it different, which is actually a good thing for me because if it was like the same exact format, but just talking about different stuff, it wouldn't be as ex- like, it wouldn't be as exciting. So, yeah. um, you know, as I'm sure I've mentioned, that one's much more interview based and organizing interviews and people's schedules like it's a lot harder to get everybody on the same page whereas this is just like hey can you do it jude yeah all right cool let's let's do it and you know it takes like an hour or something uh the where it went between intro like we're i'm spending several hours um on the weekends but things are really popping and we're actually getting into some territory on there that I think fans of this podcast will appreciate more of what we call and where it went the college years. So like we're, we're going to be coming up on albums by far side who have a huge Husker do influence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of their founding members uh, who was on the first LP and seven inch Rob Hayworth. Uh, he just did an interview on a podcast called Dano says so with uh, Dano Mahoney mm-hmm. of the great four one one and no for an answer. And he talks about how, with Farside, he was super influenced by Bob Mould and Husker Du. So um, they'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. I think our episode on Rochambeau and also, you know, Shades Apart. And I think some more stuff like I can see people that are into this podcast, not really caring about us talking about, you know, the stuff I love and Jude loves like Judge and, you know, uh, Youth of Today and Bold. Um, but Farside and, uh 
shades apart and Texas is the reason and all these things coming up might be of interest. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled at where it went podcast on Instagram for all the updates and links to uh, the shows. Yeah. Where it went is my favorite podcast. I want to share. Thank so you. It's, you'll appreciate it's tied it. for, it's tied for number one for me now. <laughs> With something to do. And um, I guess do we want to shout out any other podcasts? I'm, I'm trying to think of uh have you been listening to any other podcasts? What, does that really awesome Meet Meet podcast? Um, yes. Right where they do like the the Roadrunner Records. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's uh, Ryan. Ryan yeah. Rainbow. Great dude. And um, he's got like the perfect personality for yeah, it's awesome. uh, a podcast. Yeah. So that's also a little, although fans of the Hooskers may like like Black Train. He's done a couple Black Train Jack episodes, yeah. which are one of my uh, favorites of that whole scene. And um, Roadrunner, actually, he, Ryan, who I've also talked to, um, you know, on the side as a friend, uh, there's a lot of stuff that was on Roadrunner that's not metal at all. Like there's this band Die, Monster Die, that like the name sounds like they're going to be like, oh, and it was, uh, it was just, they sound like like uh, you know the, a female singer. Is that politically correct? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, and they're like you know indie type stuff. Cool. Um, I'll check them out. Like yeah, like it's actually not familiar. Unfor- unfortunately, they're not in, on Spotify, but it's it's good. And there's a lot of stuff that actually I think people that like this podcast would like. So yeah, meep meep. And um, one that I've been binging on while working um is end on end podcast and they are doing what we're doing with revelation records at where it went with discord um and they actually started before us so I, I, um and and moj you know obviously you yeah, don't know mojack uh which is great which if you want to deep dive into like the Husker do stuff go listen to all their episodes uh on the Hooskers because they're all really good listens. Um, but yeah, end on end. Uh, yeah. They're there and they're at a real sweet spot in the discord catalog right now. Uh, like there's been rights of spring gray matter. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. What else have they done lately? I think soul sides coming this week, the first soul side record. Um, so uh, ignitions coming like a lot of stuff. I think people from this, uh, that listen to this would like so yeah shout out to those guys end on end bojack meep meep and of course myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> but really more javier me, and what's me? <laughs> um oh and other other business too there's a really awesome uh uh clumsy right merch just released that match shirt yeah which uh it, i think it's as we're recording this i think today's the last day but Give them a follow on Instagram at Clumsy Goods. He's always dropping something, and the stuff is really high quality. I can say I I own a bunch of uh, their shirts. It's my friend uh, Conrad who um, who does that uh, company, and um, like it's it's high quality stuff. Yeah, there's always something cool that again, even if it's not necessarily replacements, fans of this pod will find something. I mean, he's done My Bloody Valentine, Bjork, Violent Femmes, yeah, Stone Roses, uh, Teenage Fan Club. I could go on. Yeah, it's awesome. 
It was like the bandwagon esque like album cover like merch, wasn't that the yeah the uh, dollar the dollar sign on the back? And he didn't get sued by Gene Simmons, so that's wow. That's also always a plus <laughs> to avoid the uh, evil hand of Gene Simmons, yeah. the litigious long arm, yeah. of Gene's long tongue of Gene Simmons. But um, yeah, check them out, clumsy goods. Cool. While we're calling out merch companies, I uh, recently got a really awesome Bad Brain shirt that I'm in love with through Misprint Merch. You can follow them on Instagram. Dude does some really cool stuff. He has this mashup uh, Chain of Strength uh, Youth of Today shirt that oh yeah, that one's cool. Yeah, he's got some. He's got cool stuff on there. You know, it's it's funny. Well, and clumsy. I'll add back onto clumsy. Um, we. You know, our band One Up, Jude and I, that's doing a discography. Um, one of the pieces of merch I asked Conrad, we're, we'll do a partnership uh, with Clumsy. He'll design uh, something that I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to do that because um, I think that'll be fun. Yeah. And of course, there'll be uh, a shirt available through our label, Hell Minded. Uh, so Shout hopefully soon we can announce like pre-order. I say soon I'm talking within the next two or three months, um, you know, announce pre-orders and stuff and we'll, we'll, you know, plug it on here. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like the, I, I don't even like to use the term bootleg, but like the bootleg shirt game has gotten ridiculously good i know (laughs) i know and and you know it's like it's a slippery slope i get that and there's there's people who are you know vehemently anti-bootlegs and and i i get that too i guess the issue is for me is like bands bands need to bands and labels need to do a better job of curating their legacy because a lot of bands are one you're, I mean, let's be real. You're leaving money on the table, right? right? Yeah. Like if, if you don't have either, if you have no official merch, you know, like let's be real, the replacements. Yep. They're the only official shirt I think you could get was the one that came with this. Uh, like right now, I mean, was the one yeah. that came from Rhino that came with the, uh, the please to meet me, the right? please to meet me box. Um, so I will say Husker do, if we're going to talk official merch, they do have their own official merch. It's quality. It's good. And I think they're doing it right. They have a bunch of designs. I'm fairly certain most of them don't go out of print. And when they do, they, they redo them. Um, but yeah, they're leaving money. So it's like as fans and people like right now, especially with no shows, not to date this podcast, but you know, right now we're still in the midst of a pandemic and there's not shows like merch, I think is what's keeping a lot of people afloat. And I just think that there's a lot of missed opportunity and these, and a lot of these people I'm biased. These are my friends doing some of these uh, shops, but uh, they are doing better quality stuff than the official stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I know uh, a friend of mine who does a, a bootleg site uh, name. Re- uh, do we say name redacted? Uh, <laughs> he did a shirt last year for a band name redacted. And um, 
the the shirt he did is better than the one they sell on their official site same design so it's even like that like it's like if they're gonna put it on a crappy style t-shirt like what's the point so Yeah. yeah but there's also like so much possibility right like i mean uh uh conversational theme from earlier but like rev keeps their merch in print right like you can still buy like a youth incident shirt right i right um and you know misprint does that really cool that kind of mashup that's like youth of today chain of and some some of the bands don't like like i can say because he's a friend of mine uh porcel like when somebody does that all he asks for is like yo can you send me a shirt yeah, that's, you know that's what I mean, really, and yeah, like really I think nice. that's cool. But but you know he's also coming from the old school of like where people used to make their own band shirts, you know, yeah. punk bands like you do a hand drawn or stenciled, um, you know, black flag. And I will say that one of the phrases that my dear friend Conrad, who does clumsy, he won't do anything that's close to home. Um, if if that makes sense. In other so words, like like a like hard, he's not going to do like a hardcore band stuff. That's like, you know, a small band, but if it's like fucking, you know, Bjork, Bjork yeah. doesn't need, you know, his meager, like what, a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Making, you know, basically just doing it to eventually make your own brand. Cause yeah. people, and then he can, which he's already had some of his own designs and they're really cool. So. Nice. Sorry for the, but I'm I'm passionate about merch. Yeah, well, you. I mean, maybe uh, sometime we should see if we can get a secure an interview with a hardcore suit man. See if he would be <laughs> yeah. willing to be inter- uh, interviewed. Hardcore suit man's tough to track down. Yeah, I wonder if he's got like a Husker Du suit. If he's got a if he's got a replacement suit, that would be wild, right? I, know. I would. I mean, he would love uh, a replacement <laughs> or Husker Du suit. So if anyone yeah. wants to make one for him, I can forward it. Okay. That's really, yeah, that's really kind of you to make sure he gets it. Um, so speaking of Husker Du. Uh, do you remember, did we, so this is where we call out errors. Did we get anything wrong? Nah, man, we were perfect. Yeah. All right. Cool. Next <laughs> segment. <laughs> all right. So we, as we always do, we give a little bit of the background leading up, um, which our, uh, don't remember the episode number, but we did new day rising, which is the album before this. So there's a lot of history there, uh, leading up to this, but, uh, like Jude said earlier, this is their last on SST. Yeah. And this was almost done. Wasn't this almost done like kind of as a courtesy to SST to like kind of, yeah, it was, um, so if really after Zen arcade and then even more so after, um, New Day Rising and and this whole era of like 1985. So they're recording. So this is what's always crazy. The timeline. I'm I'm looking at the LP here and it was recorded between March and June of 85. Right. Yeah. It's released in September. They officially signed to Warner Brothers on Veterans Day of 85. So that's November 11th. And then candy apple gray comes out in march of 86 so initially warner wanted this album because you know even though they signed in november there was talks and and meetings and all this and they heard this record and And they'd been getting courted all the way back to like metal circus right um i i want to say like zen arcade there was like tangential interest like a little here and there like you know a random maybe 
major like MCA or something like that. But I think a little, like I'm trying to think of in context of the time, 1985, I think is really when stuff started to get more on people's radar. Like Spin Magazine came out in 85. And I, I think their first issue had a, a really good review for New Day Rising. Um, and, you know, they did get all the, the good review for Zen Arcade and Rolling Stone. And 85 was that SST tour, which there was a feature at in, in Rolling Stone you can find online. Um, but yeah, this was like, they could have done this on Warner. Um, this could have been their Warner debut. It's not mm-hmm. like they needed to put out another record in September of 85 when they just did one in July with uh, New Day Rising. Right. And Bob... <laughs> So yeah, crazy. Bob, it's it's insane. Bob <laughs> basically said that he did this as like a good faith, like as like a well, we're gonna give it to SST. And I gotta and it's say, freaking flip your wig, which blows. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but but I, I have to say, like you know, in in any of these type of discussions, because we have them with where it went, and we have them with this. Like, if this came out on Warner Brothers, and the production was you know shined up a little bit, because. Uh, Candy Apple Gray definitely still sounds like it was, uh, you know, a little more time put in, I think, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, I shouldn't say time because the songs on here, I mean, spoiler alert, like the songs on here are better than Candy Apple Gray. Yeah. But it, it, Candy Apple Gray to me sounds a little more major labely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Does absolutely. That, that makes sense. Um, even though this is the first non-spot production since, you know, uh, gosh, Spot did everything falls apart. So I guess since like the early, you know, land speed record or whatever. But if this came out on on a major, I don't know, man. Who knows? Like, would they have been on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, you got to ask yourself Playing that question. Makes no sense at all. Uh, I don't know, but they, for whatever reason, they stuck it on SST. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Like, if it went on Warner and it did the same as Candy Apple Gray, anyway then would it have just gone out of print and then had to be re you know, but whereas with SST, one thing I'll give them is these things don't go out of print. True. Um, so like it's, I would love to know how many, how many records this sold. It has to be thousands and thousands. Easy. Um, my copy is uh, like a newer one, which I want to put out in the universe. SST yeah, it's cool they keep their stuff in print, but they fucking skimp, man. Yeah. They don't include, like, so sadly, all of my SST are like the newer, you know, AKA within the last 10 or 15 years pressings. No inserts or printed sleeves or anything like that. Like, it's very bare bones and frankly lazy, um, especially given now that they charge more than, you know, when they were originally repressed them their vinyl was some of the cheapest around besides discord so it was sort of like well eh, you get what you pay for but now it's like if you're gonna raise the prices like put the fucking printed sleeve or the insert um i will say the vinyl itself is like super thick i don't know about your copy yeah let me take a look i got it right here yeah like mine is like mine is like I, i i don't even know if like I got some stuff in mine, actually. I got, what do I got? I got a, um, like an SST catalog, like a mail order. Ca- I don't know what year this is from. A mail order catalog. The vinyl is looking 
Yeah, it is looking pretty thick there. Mine is like, I mean, this is like the th- this like it's got to be over 180 gram. Is it? Yeah. Do they make higher than that? It's so thick. Oh, oh yours, is that yeah. the lyric sheet? I got a lyric sheet. Yeah. Yeah. So see, yours is an earlier pressing. Yeah. Cover design by Fake Name Communications. So, so that has lyrics and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all the. So I don't know what year this. I don't know what what pressing this is. I probably got this about 10 years ago. Yeah, um, I got my sitting spin in Philadelphia. I had the, I had the CD, um, you know, or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so, I'm with you though. So like it, it's I would be okay with, you know, I mean, uh, uh, like buying an SST record LP and like you know we jam a Kano, like it's punk, like it's like, but if they're gonna jack the price up, that's not, not really. Yeah, there was a point where it was like SST was late to the game sst was late to the game of realizing that vinyl had over overtaken and you were like what the the cd (laughs) god (laughs) and so they were they were they were late so for a while when i really started buying records their lps were the like maybe even cheaper than discord like you could get them at the record shop for like 13 bucks and yeah. whereas the CDs were like still 18 bucks and then they flipped, flipped it, it, which again, yeah. that's fine if you're going to step up the quality, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, but we could probably go on about SST and their shitty business practices, <laughs> but sorry, Greg Ginn. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And like, I mean, people would pay, I would pay money, man. If there were like, a remastered reissued version of freaking new day rising like gatefold lp like they yeah there i mean that's the other thing it's like on one hand it's stupid and then the other hand like we talked about earlier they're just leaving money on the table yeah you know because numero group did that uh the um savage young do box mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they can't really get access to anything else because of SST. Now, some bands, you know, we know were able to get their catalog from SST and and reissue it and remaster it, like Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. And uh, even like Soundgarden, Ultra Mega OK is now back on Sub Pop. And uh, God, who who else? Meat Puppets, um, Sonic Youth. Yeah, I was going like to say a Sonic bunch. Youth, yeah. Now on mojack you don't know mojack i was listening to their latest where they interviewed daryl jennifer from bad brains and he mentioned they're gonna do something with eye against eye so even it seems like they're finding the right so i don't know where husker do has gone wrong (laughs) with not being able to find them maybe they just don't care i don't know yeah so digression sorry yeah interesting detour um well, to the back to the historical background of the record a little bit, right? So this is their last on SST. Bob and Grant produced it themselves. Spot is out of the picture. Um, uh, there's obviously that we talked about it in the New Day Rising episode, which listeners should go back and check out. But um, so there's that n- notorious story where they do uh, Spot um, is the producer on New Day Rising. They fly him out to Twin Cities instead of going to recording it at Total Access, right? And then he moves the, there's the the contentious where the board gets moved two inches for seemingly no reason, Um, which again, 
we said this on that episode, um, Spot, if you're listening, we would love to hear your perspective on that. If you wanna, if anybody can get us in touch with Spot, um, it would be so cool to hear uh, Spot's take on- Agreed, on the, yeah. The tracking of that. Yeah, and uh, which also reminds me, we will have to do some more uh, interviews. They're fun too. Yeah. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't had one in a while. Um, so yeah, Spot, come on. Yeah. So yeah, you c- come on the show. We'd, we'd love to talk to you. So that, I mean, the, the, we obviously talked about it on that episode, but the, um, the quality of the, the recording of New Day Rising is, I, I'd say like a fairly contentious conversation. Some people like even in the, it's like when we posted the episode for that in the Instagram, people had, you know, some thoughts about it. Like some people kind of think that that that's like almost like a, a a persona on the record like that's like an element to the album that like you kind of take with it right like almost how they say the studio is an instrument like in that yeah, case, exactly it's part of what new day rising is is like a um noisy you know you feel almost like uncomfortable but yeah then part of me is like Man, imagine a song like Celebrated Summer recorded, yeah, but like produced by Grant and Bob. Yeah. Well, and then and then you get Flip Your Wig, like kind of, you know, moving on to the next record. So so that's where I think that if you put, if you listen to this and you listen to New Day Rising back to back, they're clearly uh, very different sounding records. Absolutely. Um, and this one sounds sounds more, I don't want to say polished, but like it captures what you I, as a listener, want the band to sound like. Yeah, like, to me, this is the first one where... So we've talked about Sugar before. Sugar was a huge band in the 90s. So there were people that heard Sugar and didn't hear Husker Du. Now, if somebody was, like, super into Copper Blue and then they wanted to dig back, if they go to, like, you know, Zen Arcade or, or something like that, they might not be feeling it. Yeah. But I feel like this is the first one where they could be like, oh, okay, I see like the progression from here. Moments on the other ones, you know, obviously a song like Charter Trips or mm-hmm. Celebrated Summer or, um, you know, Grant's Melodics, you know, Pink Turns to Blue and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that could, could be, uh, you know, appeal to that type of, of listener. But for but an I entire think this, album. Yeah. yeah, this is the one where I could say, oh, okay, I get it. I see Minus- where, where they're from. Yeah, minus 45 contentious seconds, which we'll get into when we get to the track by track. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. So one of the one of the um things that comes up a lot for me with this one is the B word. You know what I'm saying? The Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. Comes up a lot. So Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I mean the album title, right? It's a it's a Beatles board game, right? Where there was like the the like mop, the like Beatles like mop haircuts or whatever, right? Yep. Flip your wig. Yeah, you can see a picture of it on Instagram. Yes, at something to do podcast. Uh I always thought it'd be fun if we played like you and I played the game. Like played. I've never played Flip Your Wigs. If anybody has listeners of this has played Flip Your Wig, please do report back. Hopefully it's a fun game. It's a Milton Bradley game. Uh, the only problem is I'm looking at the board game now, not, uh, you know, a picture of it. I, I don't have it. It's only for ages seven to 15. So Uh-oh. maybe we'll have to wait until uh, 
your kids are are in that no then my will my kids still be in that i was gonna say they could all play together (laughs) (laughs) but you know what my my oldest jude turns 15 in a couple months so he won't even be able to play by that there you go well flip apparently flip your wig is not a game that anyone can play (laughs) (laughs) we're two Um, for two now yeah the, I, I was, I'm always struck by that, that like, I always thought was like, man, who's going to do loved board games? Like they titled this, like after a board game, the name of the band comes from a board game. Um, yeah. You know, two of my, two of my favorite bands names come from board games. Who's could do. Yeah. And can you think of the other one? I'm putting you on the spot. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you, let me give you a hint. Discord records. Jawbox? No. Although that that would that sounds like a fun board game. <laughs> Think earlier than Jawbox. Oh uh, man. Ignition. No, that's not a board game. Uh it's gonna be something super obvious that I'm over. It's gonna be like minor threat. Uh, uh, uh Parker Brothers. Oh, you're close. Too. You're close. Um, oh man. Teen Idols? No. I give up, man. See, I'm this done. is fun. Oh, all right. Uh, one more hint. All right, all right, all right, all right. Brian Baker. Was in. Oh, I'm so embarrassed right now. <laughs> I give up, man. Dave Smalley. There, that's her. Dag Nasty. Dag Nasty. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Dag Nasty was also a. Um, Board game, I think, like a German board game or something. So, huh. yeah, I, I have an affinity, I guess, for board games because I freaking love Dag Nasty. Yeah. Um, and I love Husker Du. And actually, recent... I remembered seeing Bob Mould said somewhere that he was a Dag Nasty fan on like a Ask Me Anything Reddit, hmm. uh, which I thought was cool because he should be and everybody should be. But well, I guess a cool, a cool tie in of both of those themes, right? Is that, um, Husker Du, right? Were were Beatles fans? They recorded a cover of "Ticket to Ride." Um, was it a live? Did they do a studio? For, which I should probably know this. Good question. Or was I think it was just live? Yeah, I think I have it on like a like a kind of B sides like. Yeah, um, that's a great cover. Yeah, but "Ticket to Ride" later went on to become a board game. Did it? Yeah, it's a cool game. It's like a train game where you got to like build a train like, across the map of the U.S. It's fun. That is a game anyone can play. My four-year-old kind of gets into it, and we nice. can also play with it. For... I just can't wait until there's a band called Candyland. <laughs> Yo. Actually, it sounds kind of like a, a shoegazy, like Candyland. Yeah. I could see it. Anyway. Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, board games. So, what's your let's get into personal background i'm gonna yeah. let you go you go first yeah yeah so i was maybe like 22 ish i don't there wasn't like a distinct moment where i was like buy on like like new day rising like i remember like going into the store and buying it and like taking it home and listening to it and sitting with it and stuff this one i was like i just was really getting into like who's to do like replacements like bob solo stuff i just bought it on a spree one day and I was just immediately like, where has this been my whole life? Like from the first listen, it was just always like, oh, this album is like part of my DNA. Um, and I just, I, it was like that summer, I remember. And like, um, I just played it so much. Like that summer, it was a, it was a CD. So I played it in my car a bunch. Um, I still play it all the time. Um, 
I love the album art on this one. Well, I guess we can get to, now's I guess an appropriate time to get to that. Um, the like cake decorations um, on the front of it. Uh, yeah, it always reminds me of two things. Um, the like kind of uh, boys and uh, Hold Steady's Boys and Girls in America kind of has like a, just like a party theme, right? Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I never that. thought of that, but I don't know. I wonder if it was intentional. Hopefully we can, I would love to talk to Craig Finn. That would be so cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they you know name drop a couple poster do songs and stuff in their in their tracks. But um, it also reminds me if anybody's familiar with the comedian Kyle Kinane, he has a really funny bit about having a job where he was a telemarketer where people could mail order cake decorations, and he would just he was like all day long. I just called people up, and I was like, "You don't need any mail order cake decorations. I totally get it. Take care." Um, I got my my LP copy of this at Sit and Spin in Philly, which I mentioned earlier. It's not a first press, but apparently it's got a lyric sheet on like my co-host Greg's copy. Um, it's also got that SST catalog. And so we're, so we're a point of contention <laughs> uh, for that because, uh, you know, I, I this is uh, um, uh, some bad luck I've had. In fact, Jason... Mazzola, my good buddy, uh, that is one of the hosts on where it went. He's like, man, how do you get all these records that are missing inserts? And I was like, I know. I was like, I get like, and these ones I don't, cause these, like I bought this, my copy sealed and it had no insert. Um, That's and, frustrating. Uh, mine was, mine was used. I don't... But like ones on, ones on discogs and stuff I've gotten with, no insert and i'm like ah luckily a lot of them were like photocopy inserts so i've had friends that were kind enough to scan them and i made my own diy as we say but um nice yeah my husker do i i went all over with their catalog um as i mentioned in the candy apple gray that was my intro my parents got me the cd for christmas um, and then I think I may have heard Metal Circus and uh, Zen Arcade. And I didn't, then I think New Day Rising, I didn't hear this one. This is like one of the last ones that I heard. Oh, man. And I was probably like, like 23, 24. Yeah. Because um, again, it was before streaming and all that. Like, yeah, I could have probably downloaded MP3s or whatever, yeah. but I, I, I didn't do that. I usually like to have the physicals and um i think i got the cd and and same thing i was like oh my god like to be honest i think flip your wig and hearing that and getting into that was what that was what cemented them as being one of my favorites whereas before i was like yeah they're cool band i'm into this um like this album is the reason that this podcast exists because you know this and then of course at least the husker do end obviously yeah yeah replacements but this was the one where I was like, oh, I love this. I know. I know. And, um, and then I got the vinyl, you know, later when I switched everything over to vinyl. Um, and I agree with you too, about the, the I, I love the artwork. Um, and just it, it's it, to me, it's their, I think it's their best looking release. Is yeah. that crazy to say? Yeah. I don't know. I just like it. I mean, it's, pre- it's all preference anyway. Right. But, uh, yeah. So why don't we, why don't we get into the, the reason that we love it? Yeah. Let's songs. do the track by track. So first song, flip your wig. What are your thoughts, Greg? 
is that, oh, so wait, we should, I want to pause for a moment, right? We're definitely clearly getting uh, track by track split up by individual members on this album for the run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 also we'll pick a, a Grant and a Bob song. Yeah. Uh, since it's clear, like, there's, it's, like, almost dead on half and half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Unlike, so, say, like, Everything Falls Apart or something like that. Right. So Flip Your Wig, title track. What an opener, man. You know, like... I and I had the privilege of God, now it was almost 10 years ago, uh, seeing Bob uh, and his band in uh, New York City at the Bowery. He did two nights, and I went the second night with uh, our friend and listener, uh, Matt Berliant. Yeah, uh, I was almost gonna say Bidip Bo to him, but wrong, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just say a big shout to him. We uh, saw Bob and we got to sit in. Uh, I had won this contest for uh, when they did the Disney, uh, the Bob tribute. Yeah. And uh, I never got the DVD, by the way, they were supposed to send me a DVD, but it's fine. And I got to do like a, we did a meet and greet and we get to sit in a, like a VIP section of the Bowery. So, so cool. uh, Which in retrospect, as cool as it was to sit up there, I would have rather been like closer up front because my favorite times I've seen Bob have been when we've been able to get, you know, real close and just really be in it. But we're sitting up there. And then, of course, there's another table and I see the name tags and it was like Fred Armisen, uh, you know, of Saturday Night yeah. Live fame and, oh, and, and well, well documented that he, uh, you know, loves punk music and, um, you know, came from that scene. He played in the band trench mouth and uh so he came up and he you know we we quickly said hello and then all of a sudden he disappeared and they i want to say it was the encore and it's on youtube they did the first three songs on flip your wig man and uh fred played even every everything did they oh maybe they didn't do everything you know what Ignore what I'm saying. I know they did Flip Your Wig, and I think they did Hate Paper Doll, maybe. Okay. But Flip Your Wig, I remember for sure. I'll have to look at, you know, th- this gives us something to uh, have a, a correction next time. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. I'd be um, curious if it were like the first three Bob songs. Because so like I'll look at Setlist FM and talk about it. But he uh, played guitar and he sang Grant's parts. And that's it was awesome. just awesome. I love the, the trade-off vocals yep. on this where it's like, yeah, it's a Bob song, but it's it's as much a Grant song to me because they both um, just freaking own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, this uh, is like, yeah. That must have been such a cool show, man. It was, I mean, he's always great, but yeah. it was it was neat. That was a neat thing to set it apart from, you know, maybe another show that we would have seen in our home area. Um, but that's New York, right? Like that's yeah. where all the, anything it's going to be like a New York city show or a show in like Los Angeles is where you're going to see like a surprise like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. They're, they're, you're not going to see Fred Armisen's not hanging out in Philly, even though he <laughs> should. Yeah. Come on down to Philly, Fred. Yeah. This is such a great opener. Like side one track. One, like it's just so good. It's two minutes of perfect. Who's do. Um, Bob and Grant splitting the vocals is like awesome. It's awesome. 
Um, I was like getting ready for this episode. I was playing the LP in prep for this. And my one and a half year old son started just like dancing around. Like when the guitar solo part came on, I'm not claiming my kids have like, you know, are musical taste makers or anything like that. But I think it's a testament to what a catchy album it is. Yeah, um, it's, it's, and uh, you know, I use it in the later description uh, in, in my notes here, but it's, this is like bubble gummy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. So next we have, uh, we have a grant song. We have every, everything. What are your thoughts on this one, Greg? Um, there was that documentary called every, everything about grant um, that came out before he passed away. And of course I didn't see it until after. And uh, so this song sort of always makes me just think of that. And it was kind of a downer of a doc because, you know, we've talked about before, but Grant, Grant didn't necessarily have the post Husker Du successes that Bob had. He never Mm -hmm. had a a sugar or, uh, you know, hanging out with Dave Grohl uh, uh, type thing. And, and, um, he was just super talented and it's, it's just, uh, it's just sad uh, the way it ended, but that, that said, I mean, what a great song. I know. Uh, I said, this one has that chaotic, like, uh, almost like I can see where the revolution summer going back to discord, um, to me, rights of spring always had those like grant era Husker vibes. At times, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and that makes sense. Not even necessarily that Rights of Spring, I think, were influenced by Husker, but I think they had the same influences of the Beatles and the psychedelic stuff, yeah. but filtered through that like punk rock hardcore lens. So, I a lot of uh, a lot of that influence shines through and a great lead from Bob on here, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is such a killer grant. There's like such a killer grant song. There's like no, well, almost no punches pulled on this record. Um, it's got such a great chorus on it. Um, I haven't seen that Grant documentary. I got to watch that. Thanks for the heads up about yeah, that. Yeah, I think it, it might be on Amazon Prime. Okay. I saw it on one of those things, a, a free stream. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like you're getting, this album, you're getting like a song competition between two of the most like unbelievably competent songwriters that are also in the same band with each other yeah and this dare i say which i don't want to spoil well we already did candy apple gray but warehouse i think this was the one where they were the most on the most level playing field yeah like like you know we've said like candy apple gray to me grand album yeah warehouse i'm not gonna say but it's it's weighted i think towards um one over the other yeah so up next the the hit the single yeah makes no sense at all there's that bob hot track at number three man this might be my all-time i'm just gonna like go i'm kind of getting getting into it but this might be my all-time favorite husker song it might be my favorite bob song I've seen him play it a bunch of times. It's has, amazing. Has he ever not played it the times I've seen him? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is another one. It's like Beatles catchy. Like, yeah. Like, like if this was, if this was polished up, 
could it have been a massive hit in 1985? I think so. Yeah. I always think of the video, the video, you know, they made a video that was on, you know, 120 minutes and those kind of things. And it included the Mary Tyler Moore theme song. Like it Mm -hmm. went right into that. Um, And that kind of shows where, you know, where their influences are is that bubble gum and poppy, you know, sixties and seventies stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was the B side, right? Like on the single for this. Um, yeah. It was this and the B side was the Mary Tyler Moore song. Yeah. Yeah. That's what awesome. a, what a, what a song it's, it's, it is definitely one of uh, Bob's shining moments. Yeah. And he, I mean, you know, he goes on record in many different places and in many different ways talking about, you know, what he was like thinking about when he was writing this and what he was kind of trying to capture and how the song is really important to him. Um, and he plays it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's two minutes and 43 seconds. So it's like, it's like literally like the perfect three minute pop song. Yep. So next up, another Bob song, hate paper at all. What you thinking? This one's great, man. Side a of this album is again, like it's, Side A in particular is utterly unimpeachable. I think like the sheer amount of just brilliant, catchy songwriting on side A um, is like straight up on par with Sgt. Pepper's for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's and this one's interesting. I know I, I put my notes. This is where I also threw out the bubblegum pop. I mean, this one's less than two minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, like a like a real like bubblegum type uh, single. And I think he even said like the name was literally just, he was trying to find words that fit because he wanted to do bum, 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 huh. you know? So he had a, he had a, he's like, well, what, what, what can I say that will like fit in that melody? Um, and then that's why he chose hate paper at all. That's awesome. Necessarily have any real meaning. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like it's like bubblegummy. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, in under two minutes, in and out, catchy, stuck in your head. Um, but they got to move on after. You know, they didn't want to. They didn't want to uh, make it too long and get on to the next track. I mean, there's there's seven uh, seven songs per side on here. That's a lot. That's yeah. That's, it's definitely. Yeah, you're getting lot. your money's worth on this one. Yeah. Even if you're not thrilled about the. Uh, the LP packaging itself. Yeah, I agree. So next up, we got a Grant song, Green Eyes. So I, I think this is one of the best Grant songs. Yeah. Um, it's it's like uh, taking the the balladry of like Diane and Pink Turns to Blue mm-hmm. and those type songs, and then uh, you know, spit shining it a bit and just kind of perfecting it uh you know karen berg at warner brothers it was documented like when they were trying to you know thinking of like hey maybe we'll get maybe we'll get uh flip your wig as our album she thought that this could be like a hit single with college radio yeah and you could totally hear that like you could hear this like yeah this like being played right side by side with like a early rem song or something yeah something that strikes me about this one is like again just like side a they oscillate for the most part between like just like a bob song and a grant song there's a little bit more bob on side a 
Um, but it's just like an arms race for the best song that either of them can write. Thinking about the record from that framework, like as like a song competition, I legit every time, like it was like doing it when I was prepping for this record. Every time I put this on, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Track one, Bob just wrote the best Grant song. And then like gets to track two and I'm like, nope, Grant just wrote the best Husker Du song. And Wait, then, Bob, oh, Bob just wrote, you said Bob wrote the yeah. best Grant song. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, Bob just wrote the best Husker Du song. Sorry. Are you Do you agree too? I think this is the most evenly weighted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where like there's not well, there's one we'll talk about, but there's not like it 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 doesn't seem like it's weighted one towards the other. And I think one of the things that helps that thought is the opening track with the trade-offs. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. almost like saying, like, hey, here we are, both of us. We're yeah. we're, we're the dudes, you know. Yeah. We're gonna split it up. So next we get Divide and Conquer, another Bob song. What do you think? It's great, right? So this is like, this song's about gentrification, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the kind of message of the song? Yeah, I just, I just always thought it's like a, it's a, a political song, you know? Um, I was thinking too, this song would be, I think, impossible to cover. Yes. <laughs> because that's it's it. got that's so many lyrics. Yeah. That um like it's like it's like the we didn't start the fire. Of, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, like you know what I mean? Like it's but they're but on yeah, but I mean to that effect, not to interrupt, but like they're on that level of songwriting on this album. Like they're like a beat like on like a Billy's Billy Joel Beatles. Oh like. yeah, and it's super cat it's catchy though. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You see, like again, like you see Bob's politics coming back into the picture a little bit um, and I, I wrote too it's, it has like a metal circus but totally totally polished. yeah so next up we get games and this Bob's is the song. last song on side uh yeah this is the last song on the first side mm -hmm. uh this is a bob a bob ballad yeah so it's uh green you know green eyes was grant's ballad and um bob got games and uh i think it's one of it's another super strong uh, cut for Bob. Yeah. And um, it's a great way to end the side. It is. Yeah. Super I would love to see him. Does he play it now? I don't know. Well, again, don't think there's I, something yeah. else we'll have to look, but I would love to hear him play it. In fact, are there even recordings of Huska Do? I feel like there was like a song that I remembered like being like, this song's awesome. And they like didn't play it or something i don't know great song yeah. yeah yeah i agree we get that that game theme coming back in here um i had recently had a proud parent moment where i was like i was i sing the song all the time it's just like it's so catchy um and uh my like i caught my four-year-old daughter singing it she vetoes a lot of my music um which is good she's got opinions she's got sound opinions about music i'm into that um, again, not saying my children have like, you know, good taste in music. Um, but I think it's a testament to how, uh, just like super, super catchy this whole album is. Oh yeah. And it, it's, uh, I remember the, our, our aforementioned friend, uh, Matt Berlion, he had a copy that he would always tell the story that his, his had an accidental locked groove. So huh. at the end of the song, it like loops and he just thought like, oh, this is um, <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to be. And you can kind of 
see it almost like it has that in, in the kind of trancey vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I so, wish I had that pressing of the record. That's really cool. So then we walk over to the turntable and we flip it over. And we get Find Me, a Bob song. It's probably, the, I, it's probably like the moodiest song on the album. Like the rest of the album is like, we keep using the term like bubblegummy, catchy, um, you know, like pop songs. There's like those oohs in the background. They're like really haunting. The next album, we get a lot of moody tracks, right? We get Bob playing like too, it was too far down. There's Bob's hardly getting over it. This song always feel like temperament and tenor wise feels like a Grant song to me, um, but it's not. A lot of people say it's a Grant song, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Um, yeah, I agree with your assessment. It has those like psychedelic vibes that I normally would associate with Grant. Not that Bob didn't do, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It has that vibe and uh, shoegaze. I, I wrote shoegaze, baby. Cause like it, to me, this is like proto shoegaze, which uh, comes up again in a little bit, but uh, it definitely, I can see where that, in, you know, influence came from so i'm gonna say the next one is one of the oh most infamous tracks uh the baby song yeah 45. the grant hard song yeah bizarre and, seconds yeah 46 seconds according to the uh Sorry. the vinyl <laughs> we don't want we don't want you know our eagle-eared listeners i, I could I could see getting a nasty gram from Matt Berliant <laughs> telling us it's uh, uh 46 seconds and not 45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I guess this is like their, their like mini version of revolution number nine or something like that. But why, why is it? Uh, if you were to pull this from the album, uh, it would, the album would be like, absolutely. It's such a great album, but why? Is this on there? So on New Day Rising, right, you get How to Skin a Cat, which is arguably another contentious song. Um, but that's at least got like butthole surfers appeal. There's like guitars in it and stuff like that and drums. Um, I don't, we always joke on this that it would be super funny if they did a record store yeah. day, like a super exclusive one that was just this and How to Skin a Cat. They definitely um, should. <laughs> yeah. I would buy it. Yeah. Make it a locked groove. So like, you yeah. <laughs> just keep hearing it over and over The again. baby song on a, on a locked groove. <laughs> so here's my thoughts. This, this one comes up often, I think, you know, when people are talking about uh, it being whether or not like, oh, this is a perfect, uh, this is a perfect record. And like, I know our friend Sal, we, we uh, Canestra, who we had on here for an interview, we, this album came up on, on the Dag Nasty board and uh, he's like, well, it can't be basically like something to the effect of like, it can't be perfect because it has the baby song on it. My take is take away the title, right? What if it was just the intro for flexible flyer? Yo. Then like, it doesn't. So I think not that like, is it stupid? Sure. Um, but does it necessarily detract? Ah, you could look at it if you look at it as like an, an interlude and not necessarily like a specific track. It's just kind of there. Yeah. My other take though is for a band that was constantly fighting about getting their songs on. <laughs> 
like this is the dog that Grant put in that fight. Like, <laughs> no. do you know what I mean? But then my other take is, as you know, it was like a tribute to uh, he had become a father. Okay. And uh, I think it was him that became a father. So it was like sort of a tribute to that. Like he, um, you know, did this little slide whistle song with the keys for 46 seconds. And that was like his tribute. So if you look at it in that light too, that's, I don't know yeah, anything like about his sweeter. children, but like, it's kind of sweet. Grant's yeah. no longer with us and this record is, and it's on there. So, you know, whoever's child is knowing that that song was for them, then I think we can sit through 46 seconds. But yeah, yeah to me, it's like, if it wasn't labeled and it was just the intro of a flexible flyer, would people care? They'd probably be like, Oh, that intro is weird, but whatever. Yeah. I, that that's a I I'm I'm gonna think of that from now on when I listen to this record I really like that interpretation of it. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking so of flexible flyer, flexible flyer. Yeah, what a killer Grant song, man! It's got that like minor chord kind of grim catchiness. Um, even the lyrics are like super Grant, right? Uh, times, places, and situations leads to an early grave. Uh, when we get there, we see uh, just what did we save. Um, Oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's great. Um, I I put super nineteen sixties feel. Yeah, like late sixties, you know, mid late sixties. Um, I said to me, this song almost sounds like you could hear it on like the Wonder Years soundtrack. I could hear that. I could hear like, that. You know, a scene, a montage scene, or something of uh, Fred Savage and Marilyn Manson. Or I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, 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 I forget what the actor's name was. Paul something. Uh, I was going to say Paul Diano, but I think that was the original singer of Iron Maiden. So okay. I've gone way off the rails. But, you know, it has like, like it would be like in uh, Wonder Years or like Forrest Gump or something. I can use like, yeah. Uh, you know, 60s type tributes yeah people are learning life lessons and this yeah, is in like, the background it's, I can it's a that. great grant track for sure it is it is well next we get a great bob track we get private plane after that what do you think it's, it's this like chartered trips 2.0 it's so good man um it, it fits really well on the record like where it's placed so i think to come back to what we were saying earlier not only I think that this is the most cohesive and like collaborative of the song competition um, that you find in the band between the two primary songwriters. And I think that something that stands out to me about this song is not only that it's a Bob song right after a Grant song, but where it's placed on the record, right? So like you just get those, that huge catchy Bob chorus with the like, whoa, whoa, whoa it's private playing. Um, like right after the the, the guitar break yeah exactly yeah. exactly With, and like that, that part flexible flyers kind of got that like minor chord kind of feel to it i just think like this placed where not only like is the song great but placed where it is on the record it just makes sense they're taking you they're taking you on a musical journey on a private plane yeah, yeah. i said i re, my note says god damn it bob you did it again because it's like <laughs> this is a uh, uh one of the peak bob mold Husker songs for me yeah um and to me it kind of sets a tone for like what he would do solo like I could imagine him writing a song like that now with yeah, his band totally. 
Yeah. Um, love it. So now we're on to the last uh, song with vocals. Keep hanging on. Yeah. What do you think? This could be, I mean, all right. This could be the end of the album, in my opinion. I think, thankfully, we get two more Bob tracks, and I think that they're great and interesting Bob tracks, which we'll get we'll get to momentarily. Um, but this is like that anthemic, like this. This sounds like an album closer to me. Yeah, I always, I, I always wondered like what made them decide to do two instrumentals at the end. Is a, is a, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But, um, I feel like I say that all the time. Sorry. Uh, but it could have ended with this. I agree with you where I'm glad it didn't because I actually really like these instrumentals, but I wonder if they could have been like, why not? Why wasn't one at the end of side one and one at the end of side two or something like you got to think like the sequencing is a little weird. Now it doesn't seem as weird to me because I'm so used to it on CD where sides didn't matter. When you're listening on vinyl, having the baby song be the second song on side two is kind of weird. Like they could have, it could have been arranged maybe differently, but it is yeah. what it is. We, it's a classic. It's one of my all-time, you know, it's a Desert Island disc. Yeah. Um, I would say, but I agree. This, like, Keep Hanging On could have been the closer. And yeah. And you wouldn't have complained. You, that would be 12 songs. I said it reminds me almost of Hey Jude. I the ending, totally the yeah. ending and having that, you know, to go back to the Beatles again. Um, the whole, like, spastic... Uh, you know, how Grant's like starts really scre- He's just screaming, screaming basically yeah. uh, just reminds me of, of Hey Jude, which is fitting because, you know, in, in Beatles terms, they would always say like Bob was John Lennon and, and Grant was uh, Paul McCartney. So. Yeah, I could see that. I, I almost wonder if, and like, you know, listeners feel free to chime in if you, if you, but like, I almost wonder if there was like this, like they, they wanted to have the songs like they didn't want a cluster of Bob songs together. Cause if you, if you take this song, move it to the end, then on side B, you get three Bob songs in a row. Um, That's true. Yeah. Or so something that like be, that. Or that if there be. was like, if there was some kind of dispute about who got the kind of final word, like who, who gets the closing track on the album kind of thing. Um, Cause again, this feels like a, this feels, feels like an album closer to me. So next we get two Bob instrumentals. Um, starting with the wit and the wisdom. What are your thoughts on this one, Greg? So I wrote weird flex, but okay. Uh, having two <laughs> yeah. instrumentals. And and I think maybe when I first was in my early mid twenties and, and listened to this, I may have even been like, eh, I don't, I don't need to listen to these instrumentals. Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, this album's great. I'll keep hanging on to the last song. And then now it's like, no, I need to. I said, it's got that melodic dissonance to it. Yeah. Um, when I was listening on the turntable right before, um my wife becca she uh mentioned she's like this sounds like the music for the show hannibal which i don't know if you've ever watched uh the show hannibal it was on nbc based on hannibal lectins excellent show it's uh you can watch it on netflix it's my plug i love the uh gentleman that plays hannibal lector uh mess mickelson he's a danish actor and he's just great um and they have like the theme music like has this like weird creepy like sound to it and this did i definitely saw it and it it's like that mixed with uh i put endless nameless like the bonus track on nevermind where it's just 
them like playing until it sounds like it's just going to fall apart. Like that's, uh, that's what I got from it. Yeah. I mean, that's my notes, a similar thing, right? That 30 seconds is just fuzzy distorted scratching after all the music cuts out. That's like, so Nirvana, like they were, they're yeah. like, you could like Nirvana, like heard that and they were like, what? That's how you do it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's definitely a ballsy and strange turn to end the album with two different instrumentals that are both very like i really like them both um this one included obviously but it's just definitely an odd way to end an album especially when you get that anthemic grant song immediately before this right this is an instrumental hardcore song in my opinion like it's not like blast beats or like kind of the faster hardcore you get from them on land speed record and i've made this connection before another midwest um band who kind of you know went off in a different direction they kind of did more kind of like a crossover and proto grunge kind of stuff but this sounds to me kind of like the guitar tone and the like that kind of melodic dissonance like a deep Kreutzen song um it's yeah, uh, like midwestern yeah exactly um it's kind of got that like plodding like kind of almost like a like a heavy metal kind of vibe to it what my question a guitar player what the hell kind of sorcery is bob performing on his guitar on this what chords are they is he playing like they're so it's like it's just so dissonant. It's like, it's great. I don't know. He's like, he's such a wizard with that stuff. Yeah. And then there's another instrumental. Yeah. Uh, the final song. Don't it's know yet. Don't know yet. Um, I've got to say 2021 Greg thinks this is the perfect closer. It's great. I yeah. think it, uh, you know, so as much as I know, I'm sort of contradicting myself saying it could have ended it. Keep hanging on. I'm so glad it didn't because I love this. Um, and when I hear it, this is when I, it reminds me of like, and like some, you know, a, uh, one of those old timey radio shows that they would joke about on the Simpsons. And it would be like, it would have this song and it'd be like, and that little boy grew up to be Kevin Shields from my bloody Valentine. <laughs> Because it like, to me, this is like really where, like he was listening on Find Me. And yeah. then by this track, it, it sounds like, um, you know, he was like, oh yeah, I know what I need to do. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. this is like proto loveless. <laughs> yes. Um, I completely agree. And that's why I absolutely, since I love that record, um, this is the perfect way to close it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something we talked about before, obviously, is the way that that this scene, and particularly Husker Du, influenced the shoegaze scene, like influenced like that, Kevin Shields and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it's like super, like, psychedelic. Like, there's like the backwards cymbal hits, and then I, I was listening really carefully. It doesn't sound like the guitar part is backwards or e-bowed or anything like that, but it's got, um, it's just kind of got this like reverby like kind of winding kind of effect to it or the way that Bob's playing it. I'm not even really sure. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, that's sorcery, the Bob sorcery. So yeah. that's, but that's the end of the record. Yeah. And then, and then that's it. Yeah. So uh, let's do favorite, favorite song. Mix is our mix. Is our mix up to date? It should you know be what? right. You know, let, me, we'll let, me, let me double check with a something to do. Well, by, the time, on that by, the, one. by the time this, by the time we put this up, we'll, we'll have it updated. Sounds good. So Sounds it is good. updated. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Our so, um, all right. I'm going to give for you first. What, all what's, right. what's your favorite? Um, let's do grant song first. Okay. 
keep hanging on. It's just like, there's so many good ones, potentially controversial, right? Green Eyes is on here. Every Everything is on here. But in getting ready for this episode, I really developed a new appreciation for side B of this album, minus the baby song, which we had have already covered extensively on this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, keep keep hanging on. It's such a good Grant song. It's like, it's like you said, it's like they're Hey Jude. I know. And now I'm like... So I had a toss up between that and I'll pick the other one just so, cause you can never have too many songs on a mix. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with every, everything. Okay. Just bombastic and just uh, a great first grant track on there. Yeah. But um, I, I also agree with your assessment of keep hanging on, but I think every, everything, if I did have to choose, I love that it's just like fast and just um, you know, the every heartbeat, that whole part. And then mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it's, gonna like fall apart and it doesn't yeah yeah it's a great song man so of course like we said being evenly split we get to choose both well, i, I feel like i know your favorite bob song but i mean ahead. it's such an obvious it makes no sense at all like it's it's i like that you didn't front you're not like gonna be yeah. like uh, and i swear my choice is not a contrarian pick yeah i mean i could have come out with the wit and the wisdom or something like that but it's like i feel like makes no sense at all is probably one of my favorite Husker Du songs and maybe one of my favorite things Bob's ever written. So I can't so, lie and say yeah, no. something else. Um, that said, mine over the years, in the beginning, it would have definitely been the same. And it's not to discredit you or say like, well, you didn't spend enough time with it. <laughs> but mine is Private Plane. Mm. I love that i get so amped when that comes on that guitar break and the uh the ending and everything i just think is like peak bob yeah um it's great it's great yeah. the whole album and this crazy. is this is not like if you're listening to this you obviously love this record if you don't i appreciate the fact that you would sit and listen to us talk for an hour <laughs> and a half about it but it, yeah. um it's I mean, this is this is the apex of Husker Du. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's. I mean, this is my this is my favorite Husker Du record. Yeah, this is you know, um, this is the one where I would take it on Desert Island. This is the one where somebody asked me my you know top five favorite LPs ever. This is this is on there. Yeah, um, you know, up there with all the other greats, um, and it's essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, this is like the absolute perfect sweet spot of everything about the band, the songwriting, the production, the like competitive collaboration between the two primary songwriters. It's all there. I it's, agree. It's, it's one it's, song on SST. It's, it's everything. It's, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's the, the zenith of Husker Du. Like, yeah. like if I had to pick like, like let's even just talk in just terms of bob like well first off i know bob says this is their best record and not that the artist is always right because they're not a lot of times they're you know but he says like this is the one yeah this is the one where they took over production duties they were like you know a super serious big group at that point and they were kind of leaving the whole sst scene behind um, I mean, I, 
I will also say that this is maybe tied for me for the best record on SST. Man, yeah. Like, keeping in mind that SST did a lot of reissues, so you kind of get out of having to worry about Milo goes to college because that was a new alliance, True. you know, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but to me, like, and and both of them would be in my desert island would be this, and then uh, Bad Brains Eye Against Eye, yeah. I think, is another flawless one on SST from around the same time. Yeah. Uh, For me, it's this and my war. Yeah. Like, so I, 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 I would do eye against eye, but my war is great too, but yeah. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's so it for this week. We pledge this time. Time. Thank you, Greg. Hopefully we can get this out soon. Right. Yeah. I don't think we need to, we don't need to chop up anything really. No. Um, I held in my uh, pee. So we didn't have to. <laughs> if you made it to the end of this episode, folks, you get that yeah. special, yeah, cream little Easter egg, little little Easter egg. <laughs> oh, All right, we gotta call it so, so can go pee. Um, we plan on having another one sooner rather than later. Yeah. Which what what are we gonna do for the next one? Next one we're gonna do one of my favorite albums. We're gonna do the placements. Don't tell a soul. I'm excited for that one, and uh. Because we were, Jude and I talked, and we said like we we need to do this before we do, um, the Dead Man's Pop, like sort of like we did with Please to yeah. Meet Me and the Deluxe. So I'm excited. I, I uh, have some thoughts on Don't Tell a Soul, uh, and I'm excited to talk about them. So that will be next. And uh, gosh, I'm hoping that is out within. You know, if you're listening to this when it drops, I'm hoping within two weeks. Yeah, you get to hear that. We can, we do, can it. do it. We got I this. I know we can. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for this week, man. Anything going on today? Uh, no. Which I'm loving. <laughs>